I love hearing stories um, from within the community. Um, and that's kind of one of the major reasons of why it was important to, to go through this series um, and start out kind of our new season of New City understanding who we are um, and all the individuals and how we've all found New City um, over the years, whether it's we've been here since its inception, um, whether or not we've come only recently. Um, but it's important to understand how much New City does mean to us all um, and for varying reasons. Um, you can have lunch with eight-year-olds um, or you can, again, it's a great place for for kids and then to have, again, adult time and understanding and listening to a sermon, um, which, again, is so truthful and so honest as well. And I, I think, at least for Meg and I, and that's, again, one of the reasons why New City was such a big thing for us, because it was an honest space. Everybody was so real with us. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so again, we are moving through this series, understanding of who we are. Um, and so far, I'm, I'm personally encouraged about kind of where we're, we're getting through this. So hopefully everybody uh, has been able to get as much out of it um, as I am as well. Um, and I said from the beginning, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, who not sorry not who are we but who we are um we would be making the definitive statements around being the people of god um what sets us apart um what sets us aside so so far we've looked at intimacy with god authentic relationships um and this week we're talking about life transformation um and for me it, again, it's been refreshing to be able to think through what the Bible has spoken to us um, about us um, and what it reminds us uh, about the things that truly matter, uh, the things that uh, really make a difference. Um, so in preparing this series as well as each week's sermon, um, it's allowed me to dwell on some things in regard to my own relationship with God um, as well as um, my relationship with the community here. Again, where is my intimacy and trust found? Again, that's a huge question, especially in this day and age. What do my authentic relationships look like? Taking a step back and really looking at the friendships, the relationships, and understanding that a little bit more in the context of what does God call those to be? Um, Again, from last week, who's beneath my branches and where do I find my rest? Huge questions that we, we should be asking ourselves regularly. Um, and I've come to realize that the strong connection um, that exists between community and growth as we're connected to both God and to one another. It comes, so this thing comes um, in a community through growth it doesn't come in isolation. It comes because we're all together. We crave for being together because being together allows us to not only express ourselves, but to be expressed upon by others and by God. Um, and to grow in the reality of what relationships, were, again, were truly intended to be, and that is life transformative. 
Um, so before we get into today's scripture, I'd like to open us in prayer. So please join me. Father, thank you for bringing us here together this morning. I thank you for all the mothers um, and the roles that they play uh, in our lives. Um, we, we are so blessed and grateful um, on this Mother's Day to be gathered together. Open our hearts, open our minds. Please lead us into this time of thinking about your word and thinking further about what it is to live a transformed life. We set our hearts before you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So Colossians 3, 1-3. Let me read it again for us. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So Paul is a phenomenal character uh, in scripture, scripture and even in history. Um, again, we touched a little bit on him last week, um, but I would like to give a little bit more background. Um, so once upon a time, Paul was known as Saul. Uh, he, he went by a different name. He was very, very anti-God. He wasn't just a non-believer. He was very anti-God. He was anti-Jesus. He was anti-Jesus' followers. And then he has a radical encounter with God. And I think it's important as a side note to understand um, Paul and his journey, um, especially if you think, again, of family or friends that again, might be far from God or they're unreachable. Um, And to think about Paul's story as somebody who persecuted Christians, again, he has had one of the biggest influences on the church in a positive note after because of the impact that God has played on his life. So I think Paul is a great person just to constantly think about that way too. So he encounters God or should I say God encounters Paul he changes his name from Saul to Paul. He plants, plants a whole bunch of churches, um, and he writes the majority of the New Testament. Scriptures, letters, and one of the ones that we're looking at today, which is Colossians. So Colossians is one of my favorite books of the Bible, and the reason is because a lot of it is so Christ-centered. Uh, a lot of the verses lead us to the foot of the cross. So does anybody, does anybody remember rabbit ear antennas? Yeah, rabbit ear antennas. You have to put them on top of the TV and you have to kind of work them back and forth to try and find the reception. Um, and then, I, so I, before doing what I, used, what I do now, um, I used to work at a, a summer camp um, up in Brainerd in the middle of the woods. Um, and again, being in the middle of the woods uh, the, we, I was kind of forced to have rabbit ear antennas in the cabin. Um, and again, you, you have that many trees around you, it's not going to work well. Um, so I remember I had a little TV and I had the antennas and you kind of work it and you're looking at the TV as it's kind of starting to get fuzzy and then it clears up a little bit. You finally find the reception. Then you take a step back. As soon as you let go, it gets fuzzy again. 
Again, whenever you're holding it, it gets clearer. You work it around again, take a step back, fuzzy again. So in the same way, this is what a lot of people's view on God had been like in Colossae. So the people that Paul are, uh, are, is writing to. They were living the kind of life that I see him for a little bit when Paul's here, when he's talking to us. I understand the scriptures and what you're trying to tell us. But as soon as Paul steps out or goes on another travel mission, it gets fuzzy for them again. And then in my third summer, they finally released this thing called a little fire stick. So again, you plug it into the back of the TV and it hooks up to the Wi-Fi and again, crystal clear. You don't have to worry about working those things around again. And this is what Paul is trying to do for us by writing this letter to the Colossian people, to try and plug them into the highest definition of God um, so that they can actually see him for who he is and get who he is and understand his nature and understand his character. So when we get to chapter 3, Paul makes this crazy, crazy statement. But a few weeks ago, we, we celebrated Easter, and Paul is talking about that Easter. He's talking about what Christ has done for us in reference to this verse. He's basically telling, telling them, this is how your life is going to be because of this. And it's important to remember what Easter is all about, and we've just come through that season. So on Good Friday, Jesus took away our sins, right? But then on Resurrection Sunday, He gave back to us. He gave us the power to live our life. He gave us the ability to live like Him. So in Colossians 3, Paul is talking in a past tense based on that. He says, since you have been raised with Christ to a new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So today we're going to be looking at the topic of life transformation. So how many people have heard the statement, perception is reality? So it's quite a common statement. So in other words, how you perceive something to be will actually form your reality. So what this statement is saying is, from Paul, it, this is your perception. This is a perception. I thought it was this way, and that's how we lived our life because that's how we perceived it. And this is actually a pretty big point because if our perception is off, even if slightly, it could be the, chain, uh, the reason why we're living a slightly different life. Perceptions are huge. So I remember the first time I ever experienced a 3D movie. Um, it was at the IMAX at the Minnesota Zoo that used to be there. Um, and this was before we had kids when spur of the moment decisions we could make because Meg and I had gone to the zoo and then we're like, let's, let's just stay. 
We'll, we'll go see a movie. Whereas now there's no way in. we can ever do that. Um, so we bought tickets to a movie and it's, uh, the movie was Everest. Um, so it's the one where they're climbing to the top and obviously there's a couple of disasters that happen in that movie. Um, but there's nothing like experiencing a movie like that in IMAX 3D. Um, the sheer heights of the mountain range, um, the big cliff drops, the dramatic scenery. Um, it truly felt like you were there to an extent. Um, and even at the end of the movie, as even though you take those glasses off, you still kind of have that feeling that you were in the moment at the time. And per that's perception. Perception is powerful. Again, I know that movie is just a movie, but it still gets me going and it makes me feel like I was a part of it and I was there. So it's really important that we establish the right perceptions in life. So did you realize that at this current moment, you are processing everything around you? That's a process of continual thought. So in other words, whatever you're thinking about constantly is forming a pattern in your mind through which you then begin to start to perceive the world around you. And the Bible says that if you're going to transform your life, it starts with the renewing of your mind. It starts with the renewing of your mind. So what is your perception right now? And maybe the problem isn't the place that you're at in life. Maybe it's the perception that you have. So if we can throw up that picture of the caves, Claire. Does anybody know what these are? Stalagmites and stalactites. Does anybody know the difference? What is a mite? Which one is a mite and which one is a tight? Mites grow up and tights hang. So that's a great way, that's how I learned it in school. Tights are hanging and mites are growing, right? So these are pretty mystical looking pillars, but how did they actually form? Does anybody know? It started with one drip. So it's a super long process that started in the roof of the cave. There was a little hole where a little drip of water started seeping through, bringing sediment. So after hundreds and hundreds of years, the sediment continues to drip, continues to drip, continues to drip through the cave roof. And that's how these are formed. But then again, now the cave has these structural pillars that are so strong that is changing the way that the cave is designed. It has become literal structural pillars within the cave from one little drop. So this we can look at in terms of what we were just talking about. Do you realize that the thing that you're thinking about over and over and over, that perception over and over and over, do you realize that even though it might be little and you might think it's insignificant, the more you think that thought is creating the structures of our minds. It is becoming the foundation of our perceptions. So you might be listening here in person or online and you might be thinking or this last week you might be thinking I'm never going to see that happen in my life. My kids are never going to be able to do that. My job will never get me to this place. 
my marriage will never. Again, these thoughts are little drips. They're little drips through the roof of our cave and forming foundations in our minds. Our perception is becoming our reality. So I ask you to take a deep thought of what is your perception? What thoughts do you have? What are you thinking about? And going even further when it comes to our thoughts, not just what do you think about yourself, but what's your perception of God? How do you perceive Him? What constant thoughts run through your mind about God and who He is? So I have a little quote here that says, When we say we begin with God, we begin with our idea of God. But our idea of God is not God. Instead, we ought to begin with God's idea of God. And God's idea of God is Christ. So I want to read that one more time just to let it sink in because I found this so powerful. When we say we begin with God in our thinking, we begin with our idea of God. But, but our idea of God is not God. Instead, we ought to begin with God's idea of God and God's idea of God is Christ. Our perception is really, really important. Your perception of you, your perception of your marriage, your perception of your life you live, but even more importantly, your perception of God. So today, maybe we have to acknowledge that we might have a perception problem and we need God to transform our life and to renew our mind. So back to Colossians, Paul says, if you've encountered Christ, if you know Christ, we've experienced Easter a couple of weeks ago. If you've been raised with Christ, you must set your, your mind on heavenly things. Your perception should not be on earthly things, but it should be on heavenly things. Maybe the reason why so many people in society are having the worst year so far is because of perception on our mind. Our mind is set on heavenly things, but God is saying, no, you need to have a Christ-eyed view. So the first point I'm going to talk about today is we need a Christ-eyed view. So how does Jesus see what you're seeing right now? Because from his perspective, things look a whole lot different. So does anybody remember those things called airplanes? Airplanes? I don't remember the last time I've been on an airplane. I think it's almost been two years. Um, so some of my favorite times, and I love big cities. So one of my favorite things is sitting in the window seat as you're descending into a city. Um, and living in New York for a little while, love New York, love flying into the city. So I remember this one time, again, I was coming back from Australia and we're flying into JFK um, and the planes usually, they come over the city, over Queens and then bank out over the ocean and turn around and come back and land in to JFK. So as you do that, you get a pretty good view of the city and especially Queens, which Queens is just 
packed with people and packed with cars, so it's great to obviously catch some, some things happening. And I, I, I will never forget, I remember seeing this long traffic jam, it was in Astoria, um, and there was a yellow Penske truck, and it was trying to do a U-turn across traffic, so not only was it blocking this side of traffic, it was blocking the other side of traffic, um, and again, you just don't drive a truck through New York in the first place, um, but especially trying to do a U-turn during that time. So I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, that guy's probably having the worst day of his life right now, and the cars around him are probably not enjoying this at all. But from my perspective, I could see that further up, it was open lanes. Down this way are open lanes. But everybody right there in that situation is probably pretty heated right now. But from my perspective, I knew that if they just waited a little bit, things will clear up. But for them in that situation, that's not what they're thinking. You can almost guarantee that that's not what they were thinking. Um, and there was probably a lot of beeping and a lot of horn honking, which, again, people don't do in Minnesota. Uh, that's one of the things I've learned. Um, people don't honk their horns, so I had to learn that pretty quickly, uh, especially after being a New York driver for a little while. Um, so in the same way, we need to start getting that heavenly perspective on our lives, a Christ-eyed view. Maybe we start to listen to the Holy Spirit and realize that, hey, this situation isn't going to be forever. Maybe it's just a moment. Maybe it's just a phase. The gap is starting to clear ahead of us because that's what Jesus sees when we can't see. So first one is just to understand that, hey, we need to think about our lives from Christ's perspective. The second point that Paul talks about is set your minds on things above where Christ is seated, where Christ is seated. So this is probably um, one of my favorite words in this entire scripture, and I've got it highlighted here in my Bible. I like to draw in my Bible, um, and I, I just love reading back through things when I was in high school and college and understanding kind of what my thought process was at that time, um, whereas some people don't like to, to write in their Bible. Um, I'm one of those people that just scribbles all over it. Where Christ is seated, and it, it's such an easy thing to skim over, if we can throw that verse up there, to neglect the meaning of this, and I don't want you to miss it here. So when Jesus is seated, we have to recognize that there is a posture in heaven, there's a posture that we must give attention to. The Bible says that Christ is seated. So I've mentioned this. So I, I do travel to Africa a bunch, um, especially I, I go on safari a lot. Um, but I'll never forget my first, first safari. Um, so I was traveling with my guide. His name was Bekinkosi Moyo. Um, there's actually a couple of clicks in his name, but I, I can't do it. Um, so I was with him for three weeks, and I was so excited. I've always dreamt of going to Africa. Africa has always been kind of like my place for some reason. I loved kind of reading African stories and watching African movies and all that type of thing. Um, and one of the first game, game drives I went on, um, Becky starts pointing out kind of all the animals. He's got giraffes here and elephants there and rhinos here and antelope there. And he's teaching me all these different little facts about um, the different wildlife and my 
checklist was getting ticked off pretty quickly. Then I remember we went around this corner and we parked right underneath a sausage tree, which is this huge tree. Um, and it's called a sausage tree because the fruit that hang look like these big deli sausages. Um, so it's got all these kind of delicatessen style sausages hanging from them. And Becky shuts the engine off um, and he says, okay, be quiet. And I'm like, oh, what do you see? Like, what do you see? I can't see anything. And he's like, be quiet. And he goes, look up. And I look up, and literally where the projector is right now, right above us, was this leopard sitting on a tree. And this is the guy, like right there. Like, I'm freaking out, you know? Like the first thought I think of is in those nature documentaries, and it's like, the predators can smell your fear. And I'm like, my heart's like racing like this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this leopard, it's not just like an antelope, it's a leopard, is sitting right there. Like, there's no roof on the vehicle. There's a leopard right there. He just, he could fall into the truck, let alone jump into the truck. So I, I look over to Becky, and Becky's just sitting there. He's got his foot up on the side of the dash. He's got his arm kind of leaning out. He's smiling. He's laughing. And I look back at the leopard, and my heart's like, like this. Then I look back at Becky, and I'm like, okay, I think we're all right. Look back at the leopard, I'm like, ah, like what is going on? Look back at Becky, I'm like, okay, I think we're good. Look back, ah, freaking out. Every time I look at this leopard, I'm freaking out. But every time I look at Becky, it's peace. I'm, I feel calm. So then this thought hits me. Becky's been here before. He understands the situation. He was born in that bush, like literally. His life is in that bush. His village is there. He walked to school through that bush. He understands the situation. He understands the posture of the animal. He understands kind of where we're at right now. This was my first time going through that. So when I look at the posture of Becky, He's at peace. He's relaxing. He's seated. What do I need to worry about? So you can probably understand where I'm going here. But when the Bible says that Christ is seated in heavenly places, we must recognize that Christ isn't up there pacing back and forth thinking, oh my gosh, Pete's going through this thing right now. <laughs> like, I got to help him out. I got to do something. That's not what Christ is doing. Christ is seated. He's at peace. He's in a position of authority. The, the reason why we freak out is because our focus is on the brokenness of the situation. We're looking at the stress. We're looking at the problem. But God is saying, stop looking at the problem. Start looking at the posture of the cross. Start looking at what I've done for you. Start looking at it from a Christ-like perspective. So what does this mean for us then? Who is in control? But you might say, well, if he's in control, why am I going through this? But God is saying, I've already been through it. Becky spent his entire life in the bush. He understands the situation. And what I love about Jesus is... He's not just a, yep, been there, done that, 
yeah, I can relate type of God. He's a, yeah, I've been there, but I've conquered that. I haven't just done it. I've conquered it so you don't have to worry about it. And when Jesus is seated, he's not just seated because he's like, man, I'm beat. Like, I've done this for too long type of thing. No, it's a position of authority. It's a position of a conquering king. So he's conquered everything that we are going through. And if he's conquered it, then we can conquer it. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So this is the start of life transformation. It's to start changing our perception. He sees things that I don't see. He's in control. He is seated. So we need to give attention to the posture of heaven. Point three. We have died. And this is where I'm sure a lot of the Colossians were like, what? Like we're died? How? Like I'm right here. Like I don't get it type of thing. But has anybody seen, um, I'm sure you have, um, any of those house renovation shows? Um, I used to watch a lot of it. Um, but what I don't like about those shows is that they only ever show the rooms that they've actually done. Uh, where they've done the work. So the master bedroom always gets checked off. The kitchen always gets checked off. The living room, maybe the backyard, depending on how bad it is. Um, but what about the other two or three bedrooms? What about the second bathroom? What about the garage? What about the basement? Basement's always unfinished. Um, but you see, the work of what happened on Good Friday and then on Resurrection Sunday doesn't just plaster over that flaky chip drywall. Uh, it doesn't just throw up some new shiplap um, on some of the rotten wallpaper. You see, Jesus isn't into renovations. Because renovations, we would mess up over and over and over again. Reno renovations would just kind of plaster over. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to take away our sins. The Bible says he came to kill off our old nature. He died to make us into new creations. He's not just renovating our lives. He's giving us a new life. And this gives us great hope because we have issues. We all have things that we're facing and we want Jesus just to step in and clean it up for us all the time. God, please just fix the situation in my life right now so then I can get on with this. We just want him to come in and renovate the rut that we've created. But he's like, no, I got you. I'll do you one better. I'll actually kill off the old you and give you an entirely new nature. But then Paul doesn't just stop there. He goes on. If you've ever been to a funeral um, or during kind of a, a memorial, most of the time, you don't ever see somebody running up the middle of the altar, yelling at the cop and saying, hey, you owe me money. Give me my money back. You did this to me. Because there's no point accusing a dead person. Now, we've all done some things. I've done a lot of things that I'm not proud of in my life. Some things that I, I wish I could redo. Some things I could go back and I've never done them in the first place. But Jesus says, no, I'll do you one better. I killed off that 
person. So when the accuser comes and he walks into your life and says, hey, remember what you did when you were 16? Do you remember what you did with that marriage? Do you remember? There's no power in it at all because there's no point accusing a dead person. And that's why Christ did that for us. Not only are we dead to our old selves, but then Paul says we are hidden within Christ. Jesus says to the accuser that you have to go through me if you want to get to them. And then when he sees Jesus, he sees the most spotless, the most righteous, the most blemishless, if that's a word, Jesus Christ. You see, our perception is everything. Jesus has transformed our lives, but only if we allow him to. So my challenge to you all this week is just to ask yourself some questions. Have you allowed Jesus to transform your life? What are your eyes focused on? What are the thoughts in your mind that are creating these pillars and foundations? What are the things that you think of over and over and over again that might be changing the way that you see yourself or see God? What is your perception? Because everything you see, your perception is becoming your reality. Jesus wants to come in and he wants to tear down those things that have been constructed. He wants to transform our lives. He wants to give you the perception of him in you, a new creation. So what is your perception? Because perception is reality. But this is what's beautiful about Scripture. So if we look at John 8, 31 to 32, it says, If you abide by my word or my teaching, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So let's pray. Father, it is important and it is precious that we think through these ideas of what a life transformed means. It is important and it is precious that we understand the connection that we have with you. I thank you for each person here today. I thank you for the differences that are amongst us. Father, I pray, that, I pray that you will bless this church. I pray that you will lift us up. Help us to stand strong and help us to be an evidence out into our community and into the world of your transformative grace. I pray that your name will be praised and glorified as we step out and we live for you. Amen.